They were a uh, created a, dr a drink out of that. Yeah, it was. It not was. Good. Uh, not it good. was. It's not good. Uh, maybe a coke. A coke. Oh, nice. we've got our own little uh, waitress over here. Wonderful. You don't work here anymore, babe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we cool? Yeah, I think we're going. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, it is the Permanent Relegation Podcast. Uh, I don't even know what episode number it is. I probably should have looked that up. But uh, episode... And we're... Uh, uh, we, uh, I am Andy. Uh, uh, Chris. Chris, as yeah. usual. Yes. Um, uh, we'll get all the formalities out of the way before we introduce our guests, which everybody knows who's coming on. But uh, you can always check us out at uh, permanentrelegation.com. On iTunes, at SoundCloud, at, yep. Twitter, at PR Podcast Show. PR Podcast Show. Yep. We've got a Facebook page as well, and then everything's linked uh, through the Brickyard Battalion website as well. Correct. So, and I think Indy Eleven is going to try to get Thank us you. a um, a little blip on their nice. on their page okay. as well. Perfect. So, that's pretty cool. That means they own us. <laughs> I don't know no. that we want to do. that. I don't want to do that either. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so yeah, we're just going to get right to it because uh, our guest uh, has a finite amount of time. And we don't want to take too much time uh, of his, but um, uh, brand new Indy 11 head coach, Martin Rennie, joins us. Martin, thank you for, for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. All right, and thanks for being on the show. This has been Permanent Relegation. <laughs> <laughs> just Wouldn't that be awesome if we just recorded that and then just released it? Is there a show? Like, no. And then we looped it, so that's all it was the entire time. So... Uh, so welcome. So you've had quite the whirlwind here in uh, the last month plus. Yep. Um, I, from the inception of this team to how this season has been, I remember from sitting with talking with Brad a month ago. If that, yeah, yeah it was, it was right before, ago. right before yeah. February. It was right to, after you were announced as the head coach. <laughs> to going, dude, we got like one player on the team, <laughs> and we have a coach, not any assistants. We don't know where we're playing. To now, we have. 400 signings, a full <laughs> staff, a place to play. I mean, this might be one of the fastest just buildups. And, and the funny part is it is it doesn't feel like a crash course in uh, roster filling. This is still, in the amount of time that we have, this still seems like very well thought out, well put together strategy. And so I really want to just kind of start out with how has this been in this last month in comparison to what you've had before? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I've really enjoyed it because um, I just think that this club, Indy 11, is is like poised for something big. I think yep. that the club has got uh, so much going for it. And I think yep. probably when you're in and around it, you don't realize that. But I've been around. I've been at different clubs. I've been in different cities. And I know what we have here yep. is very special. And so coming here, I think that although there was only a short space of time to build the team, I was confident that we could build a really good team and I, and I really think that in a short space of time I'm surprised honestly that the players yeah. we've signed that, that's what we were actually talking about we're going dude we've signed some really good really players good some players. top caliber players and I'm like and fast like yeah right. and also like I've done this a few times so I, I've, yeah. I've, I've um, built two expansion teams and I've also yep. gone to uh, two teams that weren't doing very well so there was quite a lot of turnover on the yep. roster so I feel like there's a process to it and um, part of it is you need to have an idea of what you want from every position. So you have to have a profile for every player that you want to sign. Now, sometimes when you have that profile in mind, you don't end up finding exactly what you want. But what's been incredible this time is that I believe we've been able to find pretty much the profile of player that we've wanted in each position. And so it's, I'm really excited about it. I've really enjoyed the preseason so far. Obviously, we've got a lot of work to do. But even today we had a game and the players looked good. And even after about six days of training, we played quite an established team and looked very solid. So I'm, I'm excited about it. So, I mean, and, and with that, so coming in, so you have the whole thing of, of rebuilding. Well, it is rebuilding the team outside of two. Well, I mean, if you want to count the ones that were here a year or two years ago. But really, so from last yeah, year's roster, Brad, Brad and Justin. Ben, ben Spees, right. But and then Justin Braun. Yep. And then Zach comes back after two years. Steinberg, right. Yep. So really building a brand new team you have that on your plate but then yeah i mean you so you you alluded to it earlier you're a little bit of a world traveler i mean <laughs> yeah it's scottish roots you're in canada u.s and you spent the last couple of years in north or in south korea how has i, that hope, he did, I, I no, hope he no. didn't spend two years he looked, in north he looked might not at, be here wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, he, he occasionally went up and looked at the dmz and said not today not no. today yeah. yeah no so how has that been on just 
you know, getting reacclimated to coming back to the States after you spend a couple years, completely different culture, completely different team system. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, after that, everything in life seems easier. Yeah? It was so? so hard. It was so difficult because the language is so hard to learn. Yeah. Like I could learn it up to a point, I could coach in Korean, but I needed my translator to really do anything. But more than that, the culture is so different from what we're used to. And like in Korea, there's a lot of people don't speak, you know, most people yeah. don't speak English, yeah. but they all know the word no. <laughs> okay. And they all know the word impossible and they do this X sign with their hands. Mm. <laughs> so like many things that we just take for granted that are very easy are no and impossible in Korea. So after that, even while I was there, I was like, this is preparation for something. Because it was just, yeah. it was it was fun and it was it was good, but it taught me that there's a lot of things in life I'm not in control of. So the things that I'm in control of, I need to do a good job of. And Korea taught me that for sure. So coming back, it's com almost like a breath of fresh air, honestly, to be doing this job and again. And the, the nice thing is, is that you, you know, obviously we're biased, but you came back to the Midwest. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been in the Midwest before, yep. uh, back in like, what was it, 2008, 2007, 2008 with Cleveland? Yeah, uh, and also my family, my wife's family and my wife are from the midwest and so oh, okay. like we live here like we live in oh. michigan oh okay um and so, so do you know how to play euchre <laughs> i do a little bit yeah yeah what? Oh. i don't do you ever you don't know this about us but for a couple years in a row we held uh a euchre a major euchre tournament here okay we, are, we have belt and we'll show you we have a giant belt that's yeah, on the wall over somewhere. here right but we'd work with a local charity um, oh, and players, players, players would come on, staff. and were fans. So the players got to enact and be on teams. Oh, nice! And it was yeah. And the winner would they would have tickets, they would have scarves, Indy Eleven merch. But right. it was also but then to take home the gigantic. This belt is like thirty pounds. <laughs> right. It's like an official championship belt. It's so, a legit like. So we may belt. have to re-engage yeah, that this I bet year. Zach knows how to play. Obviously, Brad, Brad knows, knows how, how to play. play. Yeah, I think we may uh, have. Yeah, we could probably see how many people. We're yeah. gonna start getting players on, so we got to ask them if they know how to play. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Because we can't really do poker. That could be part of the recruitment process going forward. Oh, by all means, if if there's some. Uh, if there's some road trips on a bus or a plane, yeah. make sure that you get some cards out and just see who knows how to play. Yeah, and who yeah. So, so I have to go. I, I need to know this. So I have to know what a, a Scottish-born person speaking Korean sounds like. Yeah, I need probably to know. quite funny. People people would laugh but when you I speak would say that. I, I get it. So like one of the things when you see the players in the morning, it, yeah. like normally you would say, how are you doing or yeah. whatever. Well, there yeah. you say, Sik Sahasio. Okay. And so the guys would just look at me and kind of start laughing. <laughs> but, but, but what Sik Sahasio means is like, have you had breakfast today? <laughs> okay. Which is the right yeah, terminology, sure. but right. obviously the way I said it made them laugh. I think just anybody who's not Korean speaking Korean sounds probably is amusing to them. Yeah. Um, but I tried my best, so it was good. When you got when you got tabbed to come here and obviously not only lead this team that has had such a tr tremendous fan support for the last <laughs> four years. Um, four years, right? Yeah, four years. Um, time flies. It but, really uh, does. <laughs> uh, to be able to start a team from the ground up, which you said you've done before, mm -hmm. uh, but also be able to uh, start it in a new league, one that you're familiar with, but like, what are some of the challenges there that you had to run across with just starting everything from scratch and being able to, like a new stadium. In, in a short time team, span, too. In a very yeah. short time span. Yeah, well, part of it is just getting to know the people that you're working with and getting to know how they work and getting to know what their thoughts are yeah. and ideas are. But honestly, the people here have been really, really helpful in the sense that they've let me get on with the job. And okay. sometimes it's really difficult in professional soccer because they, you've given, you're given a task, which is you need to win and yeah. you need to, um, you know, almost have to do it the way that they want you to do it. But then they tell you all the details of how to do it. And you can't have freedom to sign the players you want. You can't have freedom to play the way that you want. So the owner here has really been so helpful, and, and so with Jeff as well, the president, to say, like, here's, here's your task, but go ahead and do it. And so that I've really enjoyed that, honestly. So this is going to sound weird when I start this, but you're going to know where this is going, and, and you're not going <laughs> to know this until a point here, <laughs> is do you find um, being an ex-sales guy Mm -hmm. Right. And being a person who uh, you put a very strong, stringent sales um, pressure upon yourself so you could uh, earn a BMW. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, after two months of selling um, into in that you made the goal Chris that you wanted to be. Homework. Well, that you know, it's so <laughs> obviously referencing a TEDx talk that right, you had yeah, in yeah. right after you went to Korea. Um, 
in putting that where you you knew you wanted to be a, a, a it's funny because he's like a manager or soccer coach you know however you want to say it on there from that time with as young as you are and that's another thing being 42 and being young and not off from where we are it, what have you learned i guess in that time it's like so if we go back to that ted talk mm-hmm. and you talk about now you're like now after that experience from korea you come back what would you have changed in kind of that approach because the talk was great it's ta- you know the, the, the takeaways on there of being uh, you know a spectator versus actually being a player mm-hmm. now and you talk about okay i come to this experience and it's invoking your sales what would you change or is there anything about that talk that you feel maybe a little bit different about with your experience over, over there Honestly, I don't remember that much about about that talk because I do <laughs> talks all the time. Um, Fantastic. So hopefully it was good, but I, I I honestly don't remember too much detail about it. I know that okay. was a TED talk that I did when I was there, but I like I like public speaking. I've done a lot of it, and I enjoy okay. um, even like motivational leadership type type speaking as well. But I, what I would say, if I if I cast my mind back to what have I learned since then, yeah. I do think that a big thing that I've learned is that this point that I, I kind of alluded to earlier or touched on is that. In life, we, if we spend too much time trying to control things we can't control, right. we drive ourselves crazy, we stress ourselves out, and we put ourselves in a bad position to succeed. And so really trying to recognize like, okay, I can control these things, and I can control things like my attitude, my work ethic, things like that. But things like the referee's decision, I, as much as I try, I can't control that. <laughs> And that is hard. That's for still not going to stop you from yelling. Right, you're going to yell at them. (laughs) But at the same time, like if you're spending all the time yelling at them, you're probably missing out on something that you could maybe do to help your team. So, I just think a lot of it. That's one big thing I've learned, and Korea really taught me that because, like I say, so many things that were normal and easy could not be done there. So, yeah. So, and and there's one other thing that you had said, and 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 I think you will remember this piece, but I wanted you to elaborate. So, and I believe you made a comment about that there is um, some of the greatest human treasure, I believe, and you said in a cemetery. Right. So I kind of yeah, wanted you to yeah. elaborate because cause it's, a, it's a glanced over comment. You make this comment, right. it just continues on, and you never mention that again. Yeah. And it seems very dark, but as I sat there and thought about it, I'm like, how many people have died with, with aspirations, goals, right. dreams? But I kind of wanted to hear from you because I don't know that I've ever heard somebody use that analogy. And I don't know where you got it from, mm-hmm. but... That's heavy. Like when it you is think a little about heavy, it. yeah. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> the, it's the, good. The though. point it's I'm trying poignant. to make is yeah. that people have got like, um, they're born with a certain amount of talent and ability, yep. but throughout life, people tell you you can't do this. Yep. You're not going to be able to do that. If you take this risk, it's going to mess up. And after a while, people have these hopes and dreams, but they never actually take a risk. And because they don't take a risk, they never find out if they could have done it or not. Yep. They could have been a great writer. They could have been, you know, for example. A, I don't know, great at making films, but they never really gave it a chance yeah. because mainly because they were scared to fail. And it's I think that's a big problem in life, and it's a shame because then when the end, the end comes, it's too late, right? Yeah. It harks so, on what you what we were talking about last night, Yeah, where you were, like, talking about being comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's, that's been a mantra I use for, for what I do for a job-wise, and it's become really apropos is, is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yep. And it is easy to stay in a rut. And not necessarily a rut. It just works. And there's nothing wrong with it. You know the phrase, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, sometimes, sure, it may be good, but we don't know how much better it can be. You know, sometimes break that bitch. Just break it. <laughs> well, and just fix it. I, yeah, yeah, because I think it's like it's this um, false impression that people have in life is that what you're trying to do is get as comfortable and as safe as you possibly can get. Yep. But growth happens in difficult situations, yeah. actually. Right. That's how you become a stronger person. That's how you become... Yeah. let's say smarter that's how you become stronger that's sure. how you learn more so it's one of those things where we don't really want to be in that uncomfortable position but you. that is where we become right who we could be right. yep and it's funny because then you get comfortable in that uncomfortable spot yeah. and then you got to challenge yourself a little bit more you're right the greatest people like anything worth having is is worth working hard for and it's worth the sacrifice right, right. And you're exactly right so it's funny so speaking of growth <laughs> uh how did you get here? Like, wh- when you were growing up, did you want to? Did you want to play? Did you want to manage? Like, what was? If you'd watched the TED Talk, I could oh. tell you. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I need, does, to, I need to watch remember. this TED Talk. I was gonna say he doesn't remember the TED Talk, so he's got to answer again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, what was the? Where was that turn? Yeah. Because uh, you you played as a youth, correct? Yeah. So I always wanted to be a. I always wanted to be a player. I always wanted to play soccer. Who was uh, your favorite player growing up? Um. Let me see. Or who was Eric Cantona, probably. Oh. That a good boy. Yeah, That's yeah. A good boy. I've got that jersey actually. 
Nice one. God. Yeah. The king. The king. You love the king. Yeah, he was, he was a great player. Too, too. Yeah, he's, he's not a, changed. So. He's a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's what I made did, him good. Uh, yeah, and, and I liked it. I liked Manchester United because Alex Ferguson's from Scotland, right. and mm-hmm. he, he obviously had, did amazing there. So. Oh, yeah. But what was yeah. your local Scotland team? Falkirk. So that's, Falkirk. that's my local okay. team. I was a ball boy for Falkirk. Okay. Okay. I went to all their games and, and supported them. And obviously, when I'm back home, I always go and try and watch them play. But okay. um they were my local team. Most people in Scotland like Rangers or Celtic. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, but a lot of people support those teams. But Motherwell. I always followed my local Motherwell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I always played on my FIFA team. Right. Like whenever I was like, a creative player and I had to come through and they traded me off, right. it was always Motherwell. Somehow I was always on Motherwell. I was like, well, we're about to be damn good and we're going to beat everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah, like you started playing. Yep. Correct. So what was the, where did that transition happen? So basically, the, I started playing professional soccer with a team in the USL, believe it or not, in Charlotte, okay. called the Charlotte Eagles. And on my first day, first training session in a new country, just you know, signed a How professional contract. I was probably 19 or 20. Okay. Okay. On the first day, I tore my ACL. Oh, why? And I did it quite bad. I did like the meniscus and other things. So so tore everything. Yeah. <laughs> so it took a long time to come back. But when I came back, I was by that time back in Scotland and I had the chance to work in sales and marketing and play semi-professional soccer. And for me, that was just a much better thing. I, I was keeping on picking up injuries, but when I trained only two or three times a week and played on the weekend, I was fine. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And also my work, I really liked my work. I really liked being in sales. And what happened was I basically started to learn about um, confidence and, and where that came from. And I realized that like in soccer, most of the time I had just been criticized all the time. Every coach was always telling me what I couldn't do, what I would never be able to do and so on and so forth. And I was realizing in sales that if you believed that you could do something, then you were more likely to achieve that. And so I started thinking, man, if I ever could be a coach, I could use all these things that I'm learning and I could help a lot of players become, well, maybe reach their full potential. And so basically I started doing my coaching qualifications while I was still playing semi-professional and while I was um, working with the goal to become a coach and to try and do it in a more positive way than perhaps I'd seen. So is that like your first thing? You come in to the team, it's day one. You got your guys in front of you, the ones that were signed, once you kind of all get in there. And is that like, okay, we're not going to talk about soccer. We're not going to talk about this. Is it kind of a breakdown? Like this is my core beliefs. This is kind of my experience and – and, and do you find that maybe you coach in a little different way because you're not teaching to a, a result of what it is or a technical ability? You do, mm-hmm. but you go, I'm going, I'm hoping to coach you and lead you in a different way that makes you unlock something in yourself that maybe you don't. Is So what does that look like your day so one there's with a the guys? Pro- there's a process, and I think like – um, I probably initially when I first started coaching you know, 10, 12 years ago, I yeah. would have thought that I need to impart everything at the beginning. But now I see the process differently. I, like, I just really just sit back and see how yeah. people react and who they are and how they interact with each other. What's the culture like when it's left alone? Yeah. And then start working on the fitness and, and start to build in some tactical points. But then over the next three weeks, as we lead up to the season, then I really want to start help leading the guys towards what we want. What's been nice about this team and this group is like they've got that positive culture yeah. almost naturally, which is unusual. Usually at this point, you're like, wow, this is going to be a lot. And there will be, of course, ups and downs yeah. along the way. But yeah, so I don't necessarily on day one because not even everybody's here yet. So I've just learned over time, like, be patient. It's not, we don't have to do everything perfectly today. Yeah. We, we want to try and get to a really high standard as the season starts, but then we want to get better and better as time goes on. So that's the answer. It's not day one, everything. Yeah. It's over time. And then it's also trying to notice a guy like, hey, I need to spend more time with him and more time with him. And that guy needs more encouragement. And this guy, yeah. he needs more tactical information. Because I mean, when you bring up the relationship piece, you're exactly right. Like these guys have as much experience as you have. They have had how many different coaches like you yep. in their ear telling them something, teaching them this way, teaching this way. And you're right. They're all coming out of relationships. You take it on a personal level. Yeah. Like when you get close with your teammates and your coach, they're coming out of relationships. And some may be a little more abusive than others. And right. so those guys, I'm sure you have to nurture. And Definitely, yeah. Sometimes you're, you're giving feedback to someone and they're like really defensive. Yep. And you have to stop them and <laughs> say, like, do you think I'm on your side or do you think I'm against you? Yeah. And when they stop and think about it and realize I'm trying to help them, then slowly they're less defensive. But that could be something that they've experienced since they were 10 years old. Yeah. And, and that stays with them. So everybody's different. And most of who we are as a person is shaped between about the age of 12 and 18. 
it's not really last year or the year before. It's yeah. it's had those really formative years. So things that happened in those yeah. years dramatically impact who that person is now. And so I just want to try and like get to know them and, and figure out how I can help them. I, I feel like very blessed in life to be doing something I really like doing. I feel very comfortable with where I am in, in my yeah. life. And I just want to try and help other people get there too. And, and being a coach gives me that chance. Do you feel like, uh, and Chris and I both being salespeople, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like the way... Being a successful salesperson, one of the biggest keys to being a successful salesperson is being able to read people. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of touched on it there as well, where you're just like, you have to understand that not everyone learns the same way. Yep. Not everyone's going to react to your criticism the same way or your praise. Or, or even your way. praise. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, as well, when I started out in sales, I had a boss who told me you've got two ears and one mouth and you need to use them in that proportion. <laughs> And in sales, that's a very important thing. But I think in leadership, too, like you don't just try and impose your will on everybody the same way or even impose your will on anybody. You're trying to like lead people to a point where they want to fly. And that takes time. Some guys, it's like they get it instantly. Others, it's like, oh, man, I can't figure this guy out. But if you're willing to try and get to know them and if you do genuinely care about them, then it will come. And, and, and I think that comes over over time. People go like, OK, like this guy is actually trying to help me. Uh, quick Twitter question. Good. To break up the monotony. Boom. Uh, monotony. Of our, of our questions. Oh, gotcha. He's fascinating. We're not. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so. There's probably some trauma there when he was a kid. No, just, yeah. The self-deprecation <laughs> is amazing. Like, that's why we call ourselves great. permanent relegation. <laughs> you ever notice that? That's permanent relegation. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. funny. But with Andy, it's just really deep-seated, and I don't know where it came from. You've not found it yet. No, I have. I have, but I'm just friends. not allowed to tell it yet. <laughs> yeah, we're not allowed to I talk about that on the air. okay, big guy. <laughs> yeah, you are, remember, you are kind. Mm-hmm. You are smart. Mm-hmm. And gosh darn it, people like you. Mm-hmm. Anyways, go ahead. And I've noticed that already in five minutes. Uh, so at Raider Redleg uh, asks, do you, so this is kind of uh, towards the supporters question. Um, there's a lot of continuing uh, continuing traditions like post game high fives to the Breakyard Battalion from players, which really doesn't happen a lot of places. Um, and one of the things that we didn't get the last couple years is the coach didn't join the team in like. Uh, high-fiving the, the supporters groups. Do you feel like that's something that uh, you you will embrace? Is it something that you'll just kind of watch to see what's happening? Like, there's a lot of things that go on during game day that happens that I don't know if you're familiar with yet, mm-hmm. but uh, how, how do you react to making sure that those things, is, is that even your role, but how do you make sure that those things still happen? Well, I think, first of all, tradition is something that, um, like, I've often found myself in a situation at clubs where I'm trying to start a tradition because there is no tradition. Yeah. And so if there's tradition here, then I'll be more than happy to embrace it. And that's really exciting to know that there is tradition. I'm not sure why the coach could or couldn't come and do that, but if I can, then I would be more more than happy to do that. (laughs) It's one of those things. So this team, what's kind of, and maybe it's not unique, but it's unique for here, especially with Indy 11, is the Brickyard Battalion and that group we've been through multiple iterations of a professional team in Indy, right? Um, and it failed, failed. And this was one where it's like, we have to do it right. Mm-hmm. And you got a guy like Ursaw who came in and goes, we can make this happen. And he understood that there was a loud and very passionate group that was willing to sacrifice anything to have a team, our team finally yeah. here and not have to necessarily, and there's nothing wrong with rooting for the fire or the crew or, you know, but you just can't. I'll be damned. I'll be. I'll be, da- I'll be right. I'll be damned. <laughs> no, I'll be damned if I was going to go root for, you know, Cincinnati right. or Louisville. No. So having the team, he understood that that group was was wildly important. And the Brickyard Battalion, those ones that the best player when they score, they make bricks. It's the Brickyard Battalion. Yeah. And, yep. and obviously, you know where the Brickyard Battalion thing comes from, right? Mm, go ahead. It's from the track. Okay. From, okay. Right. So uh, uh, thank God they never went with it. The racing. Yeah, they were gonna like there was a indie racing. They were kicking around yeah. an idea of like racing city FC or racing okay. FC. Right. Uh, Indianapolis 500, one of the largest. Right. 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 You'll right. find right. out in May that it gets crazy. If you yeah. haven't been here at that point, mm-hmm. so you go from a city that is, if you count the the suburbs, about 1.3 million. Yeah. We literally become we jump up like 20 spots in the largest city. We gain. Really? Yeah, like we yeah, we gain almost 600 to 700 thousand people wow. in the city at one point they go you are now the uh yeah. ninth largest in city in the yeah in that's the country, crazy so, yeah. that's like one-tenth of seoul <laughs> yeah, i know <laughs> yeah, right? 
Very true. <laughs> and no, guess that what? Is big, though. In traffic, you don't have to worry about any of that in comparison <laughs> no. here. So. Well, yeah. and, I, and obviously every team's going to have its own supporter section, and yeah. some are more passionate than others. Uh, I, I feel like uh, there is a lot of – when Ursal picked the team to come here or to, to, try, to try to get a team to come here, they got a guy like Peter Wilt, mm-hmm. who is obviously really connected to community and supporters, and like yes. he's that guy that – uh, is connected to these fans. Right. And thankfully, even though he's moved on to do other things, uh, it's that connection is still there. Yep. And I think that Ursal actually kind of took that that responsibility to be like, hey, listen, the supporters are as important as of course. media. And for a while there, <laughs> you know, we were getting tabbed from the media department at the team to be like, hey, we want you guys to talk to somebody because no one's covering us right okay. right now. Yeah. Right. Right. Or it's always or if they were, it was the the most canned, ridiculous. It wasn't conversations where we talk right, about right. like this where we're just, hey, let's talk about what's happening. It was so okay, so uh so this game was this and this and tell me about your tactical approach. And then they're just like, dude, I don't want to do that right, like, right all the time. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, another Twitter question was um we talked about this a little bit, but you have uh, Trevor James being the only holdover from last year's staff mm-hmm. to now. How instrumental was he in ro- in the roster building process? Yeah, he's helped a lot. He obviously has uh, the ability to tell me about the past and, and help me with you know moving forward. And um, yeah, he he's been working really hard. He does a great job. I've enjoyed working with him, and he's he's uh, you know got a lot of connections, a lot of experience. So he's able he was able to help me do that. So yeah, I, I appreciate his help a lot. Yeah. Uh, in terms of your style, uh-huh. uh, coaching style, we'll get like through these questions too. Yeah. Coaching. I, I've heard aggressive. Right. Yeah. yeah. What does that mean? I, people say this. They're like, you like to oh, have he's aggressive. people score goals, huh? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think again, as a coach, I'm learning all the time. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm getting hopefully better at it. I think like I like to attack. I like to have the ball, and I like to be proactive. There's really two ways you can coach. One is that you're proactive, or one is that you're reactive. Jose Mourinho, yeah, uh, or ten Guardiola, in the box. right? Yeah, so there's the two box. different yeah. ways. Right. But the thing is, like a good team, um, especially at the level we are talking about, where we've not got the best players right. in the world, like Manchester City or Bayern Munich mm-hmm. or whatever, you have to be able to defend too. Right, so you have to be able to do more than just one thing. And sometimes you might go somewhere, it's a burning hot day and it's your third game in a week or whatever, and you need to be able to not play as crazy high and pressing. So I feel like we can do both. And I think that's what you know I've learned is to try and become really good at doing something but be able to change it when you need to. And, and do you feel at this point, um, with the player personnel that you have, that you are going to have a good balance where, hey, at this point, you know what, because, I mean, that's the thing is, is kind of the, maybe the folly is is getting a bunch of players that fit that one narrative. Like, you know what? We need to be exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have – I mean, let's be honest, and we can say this. There's a lot of pressure on Indy 11 this year. Mm-hmm. The city says we're going to play in Lucas Oil. Yep. You need to prove that we can bring a lot of people in, and we're going to kind of do this in a deal. And this isn't – you don't need to comment on that part. This is, this is us <laughs> saying this. Like, this is a, a really – really important moment for Indy 11 to prove some stuff. So it's like, so the, I think the uh, cop-out or the easy way out is we score a bunch of goals. We make it really exciting at the expense of everything else. Oh, we get people in. People love goals. Even even non-soccer fans, dumb soccer fans, oh, they love goals. But I, it doesn't seem like with the players that have been signed, that has been the case. I don't feel like that's been shouted. No, no, that, no. That, okay. And that's never been my idea either. Good. The point isn't really to be exciting at the expense of winning. The point is to put together a team that can win. So sometimes that means defending well. Sometimes that means possessing the ball well. Sometimes that means being really creative and attack-minded. But um, no, I don't. And, and that's not certainly not something coming down from the top. That hey, just make it fun and 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 go crazy scoring goals. Like okay, that that's good if we can do that. They've trained you well. It's about trying to win, well. right? <laughs> so I believe him. Yeah, no, I do. No, absolutely. that's true. And no, Ursal's pa- never been that way. No, no, no. no. Absolutely. And that's what I was saying initially too. Sometimes a club can take you on and say, um, "Yeah, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do the next thing." And then, oh, by the way, you have to do it our way. And then it's like, well, if it's that easy, you should just do it then. Because, <laughs> like, like yeah. you, if you're going to give people in any walk of life a job to do, yeah. and you want a certain result, you've hired them because of their expertise. So then, let them do it. Yeah. guide them and encourage them, help them, but don't dictate every little thing. Otherwise, how could they do their job? Yeah. How instrumental so far in the short term of just practices and, what, two, two preseason games so far? Yep. Uh, have uh, 
the guys like uh, Brad Ring and Justin and Ben, uh, Ben from like the holdover from being able to like they they played with each other. I know that you got a few guys that uh, from the Cosmos that have played mm-hmm. with each other last year as well. How instrumental uh, have those guys been who have that experience yeah. recently playing with each other? Yeah, their their input's been really important. I think they've also been able to see see change from what they experienced before. So that's important to see. Like, okay, maybe there is a different uh, culture or there's a, this is kind of a reboot, a fresh start. So they can see, like, significant change from maybe where they were last year. Um, but they can also help guys get around. They can tell people about the team and about the fans and about the traditions. Right, yeah. So I think there's a lot of benefit to having players uh, who have been here. Um, but at the same time, there was benefit to bringing in new players as well. So th- the balance is always difficult because if, uh, if you just stick with the exact same of, as what you had before, then it's difficult to make it new. But if you don't keep anybody, then you lose some of that connection and tradition. So I feel like we've got a good balance of that. I feel, <laughs> and so, and this probably hasn't been brought up yet, but at some point it's going to as we get closer to the season or once we get in, is I'm interested in the first time you hear anything from the, uh, the two Cosmos guys. Mainly because, like, signing... Like three in there. Don't the, yeah, three, yeah. Signing Cosmos guys is like signing... the Colts signing a Patriots player. Right, right. Like, <laughs> literally for Indy 11, that is the, that's the team. So I'm interested for... A, a, players that came in here and just got railed out for 90 minutes by fans that like literally passionate i don't know how much you've heard of just how mm-hmm. crazy yeah, it yeah, is to play yeah. against them now having those fans kind of like i don't know if that's been brought up at all or these guys no, are coming. I, okay, honestly good. i think the fans will love these three okay yeah they work so hard their characters top class like i just think they'll be adopted quickly and, and that's my full expectation once, uh, the way that the Breakyard Battalion especially works is once you put on the crest, it they're doesn't matter. They're going to make a together. chant about them, though. Yeah. They'll be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> once was a Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I get it. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you can answer this question yet, so you can be like, okay, I don't know if I can. I, I don't think I can answer that yet, but do you have an idea of who's wearing uh, the captain's armband the first game? Yeah, I do. I've got an idea in mind. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to share. You don't have to share. No, no, I wouldn't do that. I've not even <laughs> asked them yet, so. Um, no, but within breaking a, news within, <laughs> within a couple of weeks, I think we'll okay. get that part figured out. That goes back to what I was saying earlier: is you don't have to do all these things on yeah. the first day. You don't have to do them right. all on the first week. You have to take your time, make good decisions, stay nice and relaxed about it, stay calm, and get your points across bit by bit. And also, just then monitor and see right who's going to most likely play a lot. Have they got good leadership skills? Do the other players nice. respect them? Um, do they communicate well? Have they been around before? So it just takes time to get that right. That was perfect because the follow-up was going to be, what is it specifically for you that you look for as your captain? Because that that varies as well. Some people go, hey, it's you know their experience and it's you know they have a particular uh, demeanor on the field. But you know, and you you yeah, hit it right on those the things. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, another Twitter question. Uh, this is from maybe uh, Jason Kaiser at. N zero, mm. net zero. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> no thanks is, is essentially his. Uh, oh no thanks. Yeah, so he's a friendly oh, gent. Okay. Uh, how do you see yourself handling the different aspects of being a manager? Is it forty percent player coaching and growth, forty percent game tactics planning, twenty percent management? Like uh, those are very management. arbitrary numbers. I don't yeah. to throw out. He's he's giving an. And example. if it's forty one, I don't want it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, how do you? Uh, how do you? Where does the balance come for you? Because it's obviously different for each manager. Yeah, I usually spend about hundred percent of my time doing forty percent of the things. <laughs> uh, but no, I, it changes obviously. Nice. I think. Fair. I think um, <laughs> ultimately, again, it comes down to reading the situation at the time and and understanding right. We need. I need to do a lot more of this right now. For example, hey, we need to do far more work on our tactical shape, our defensive yeah. shape, or our attacking movement. And other times, like, hey, we need to spend far more time on the culture. Or it might be like, hey, look, these five players, they need a lot more attention than the other uh, three or whatever. So it's just trying to be aware of things. There's not like, there's, like recently I did my UEFA Pro license, which was a two-year study, and I went all over Europe. I heard some great speakers. I went to brilliant clubs. I learned a lot of things. And one of the biggest things I learned from really experienced, successful managers and coaches was, like, you have to be able to trust your gut, like, use your intuition. And so there's not just, like, this book that you follow on everything to do. You have to just base, do some of it as you feel it. Uh, you mentioned culture, um, and I'm a, big, I'm a big culture guy, and just in terms of workplace and yep. how important that, that aspect is. What, 
what kind of culture do you hope to um, impart? I, I wouldn't be really teach because you can't really teach culture. But I know that culture build build, huh? build yeah build would probably be a good one because obviously good culture happens from the top down. Yep. And you have to make sure that you're living that culture so that your people live that culture as yep. well. How do you go about doing that? Well, I think one of the things is you model it. And then another thing is you, you try and set up, look, this, this is the, the expectations we have as a player at this club. And you can't, like some people try and impose that by rules, but that doesn't really work that well in my opinion. Like if you turn up late for work five days, you don't get like fined, you get fired, right? Yeah. So in a soccer team, it should be the same. If a guy doesn't want to turn up on time, then he's not really committed to the job. So the culture is really much more of a, a positive, encouraging culture, but with high demands. And the high demands are there to help the person become the best that they can be, as opposed to like to to trip to drag them down all the time. It's just to, to try and help them live to a high standard. But really, it's everybody trying to encourage and, and support each other. Most professional soccer teams are like all about cutting each other down, because if you play, then I can't play, and so they yeah. they just are always. There's that cattiness. Yeah, they're always backstabbing and, and getting together in little cliques, and then that just kills a club. Because actually, the, the 24 or 25 players that you have, they're the only people that are on your side anyway. Yeah. So if they're, if they're fighting with each other, you've no chance of succeeding. So it's trying to build a culture where people can be themselves, where they can uh, like really be themselves, like really show their personality and, and enjoy coming to work. Um, but also be there for the whole group, not just for their own goals. Like, if, let's say, for example, if you take the two right backs and you say, right, each of you write out your goals for the season and then sit down with the other right back and go through the goals. The first guy is going to go, I want to play 30 games this season. The next guy is going to go, I want to play 30 games this season. Right? Yeah. I want to be the MVP of five games. I want to be the MVP of five games. I, I want to go and play in the MLS next season. I want to go and play. In yeah. So suddenly you're like that recognition of like, there's a problem here. So that yeah. if, if it's all about our individual goals, we can't all achieve them. It's not possible. So how do we change that? Have you came Have you came across a team that you have managed where the culture was a problem and you had to address it, or you had to? And you know, this sounds like interview questions. But tell me a time uh, <laughs> where you had a yeah, team that was hard I to get manage. The job at the end of yeah, this. exactly. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. You don't, don't have. Know. Yeah, that's. No, a, yeah, I get that's you, a, but I think it's an ongoing thing. I think yeah, like it's go. like at different points in the season. Um, some things are going well, some things aren't going yeah. well. Of course, for some players, things are going well. For others, they're not going well. So yeah. you just have to keep working on it all the time. It's not ever anything that I think um, you just say, right, here, here on the first day, these, this is the culture, and then that's the end of it. It's like a continuous, yeah. okay, how do we improve that? How do we make it better? And Actually, the hardest time is probably when you're having a lot of success because you don't want to change anything, but that's maybe sometimes when you do need to push things a little more. Um, so... Kind of, not necessarily switching gears, but looking at when you talk about the culture and the team in general, let's talk about this is also a wildly different uh, place that we're playing in, right? Mm -hmm. So for the first years we deal with the stadium, that is, if you were to push all stands out, you're talking eleven upper 11,000s to one of the premier stadiums of the country. Yep. Not of soccer, of just in general. The crown jewel of Indiana that eight counties are paying for the next 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Love that part. So, no, but the point is, is has there been any conversation on that, on what that looks like? Like, okay, you have guys that have always played in the mic, and, and, and you know, we've always been, as fans, we can make a lot of noise. We can do a lot of things, and that's on us. But have, have any of the players talked about just the scope of playing in a stadium that large? Yeah, I think we've you know we've been in the stadium, we've looked around it, yep. and I just think it's it's such an impressive building. Yeah, the thing that's great about it, because I in, when I was coaching in Vancouver in MLS, we had a stadium with a roof on it, so yeah. I'm used to that, yeah. and the noise really stays in. But with Lucas Oil, it's more of like an upright yep. stadium, so the fans are going to be close. There's also curtains that come down and cover a whole bunch of the seats. Yep. So I just think like it can be a great atmosphere, and if we could get a really good crowd for the first game the home opener yep. i think a lot of people will really enjoy it and they'll talk to people and they'll want to come back so i see that first game march 31st against cincinnati is quite a key uh, moment in indy 11 soccer because when people go and experience that plus there'll be cincinnati fans there yep i really think There's that could be okay of cincinnati okay fans yeah. There. Yeah. yeah and 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 just and just a side little plug is 
if you haven't got your season tickets yet, um, and you're talking about by with getting season tickets, you could save as much as 48% from single like game tickets. Like go out there, you know, hit indie11.com, make sure you call them up. Um, do it beforehand. Um, it's going to save you a ton of money. And honestly, we want to get as many people there because, yeah, it is bigger on for the fact of noise. But here's the first thing I don't want is the first game. And I can tell you, I went to a Cincinnati game last year, um, and it was insane. Mm-hmm. So when they're pulling 22,000 people, and with it being an hour and 40 minutes, if you don't think any of those fans are going to come, I'm going to tell you, Indy 11 fans, if we go to this game and Cincinnati basically screams us out of our own building, like – Right. It's not going to be good. No, 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 it's not going to happen. So I go out to Indy11.com. Let's get our tickets. Um, and, and I'm just really excited for the season because of that, of being able to play. I will tell you this. I will tell you to have Brad Ring, Brad and Justin address the whole team and ask them, because some of these guys don't know what it was like to play at the mic. Actually, none of them really do. Well, they played eventually. Yeah, but they play, they probably ask played them, here. Ask Brad. What it was like to go for seasons without a legitimate locker room. Tell him to say, if you want to know, you are literally playing in the best locker room that you're yeah, ever going to yeah. play in. Because it's here's the thing. A lot of these guys are not going to go play for a Real Madrid at an 80,000 you know, Bernabeu no. or a Camp Nou or, you know, they're, they're not going to. Yeah, who cares about Trafford? <laughs> no, they're not going to get that. This right is. Now. Yeah, I know. I get it. I'm always a two-on-one. It's always an EPO versus La Liga guy. Always. So this is this is a unique experience, I think, for them where they get a chance to. So if you you thought about even addressing that, like treat this as though, like, you're playing in a major, like even a Euro club team. Yeah, well, the thing as well is, like, um, like, again, when I was in MLS, I was coaching in the Northwest, right? So in the Northwest, you've got Portland, Seattle, Vancouver. So I've experienced the best atmospheres in the country. Like, when we would play Seattle, we had games where there was 65,000 there. So there's fans from Vancouver, and it's packed out. Portland, you would have sold out. You'd have Vancouver fans there. You'd have Portland fans there. Indy are so close to being able to experience something like that. Yeah. Like, really close. So, like, if the fans can come out and, and really get behind the team, we know there's going to be fans coming from another city. Yep. We must defend our own territory. The players must do the same. But yep. genuinely, it can be so close to one of the top atmospheres in the whole country at any level yeah. if we really get our imagination right and go for it. Because it's genuinely not that far away. It yep. really isn't. So I, I think like we'll talk about that. We'll talk with the players, and the players will make sure they're ready to go. Good. Do you have what? Do you have no. anything else? No, I was. No, I mean, we're ha- we're hitting an hour. Perfect. No, I did. No, no, not even. We have forty minutes. We started okay, seven. But the point is, we're not just going to ask questions for the sake of asking questions. No. I want to make sure we hit all of our Twitter yeah. stuff because people had very. Uh, very pressing. No, they didn't. They I didn't saw really one happen. Twitter question, which was like, in Scotland, do we have an mm-hmm. equivalent does, of Bigfoot? Does Bigfoot exist in Scotland? Is there an equivalent of Bigfoot? Yeah. Or <laughs> would it not get along with Nessie? Well, it is, it, that would be the equivalent, would be Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. So the difference is that's real, whereas Bigfoot maybe <laughs> isn't. I'm not sure. I, I don't want to say <laughs> how many times staring. I've watched the nude, like every four years, there is a new documentary that comes out that goes, we have new proof. Nessie exists. Have you there's seen no the Loch Ness Monster? So, well, I think in Scotland we never like to talk about that. We'd rather people go and find out for themselves. You're just and that's, dri- now you're that's the tourist tourists. board say that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, once I drove by and I, f- I feel like I did see it, but it's, it was hard to tell because it was a bit foggy that day. <laughs> and when you took a photo, so unfortunately it was, like, it was like blurry and yeah. <laughs> it's like every day. Yeah, it's just like every day. It was exactly. raining, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how often do you get a chance uh, you know, to go back to Scotland? Yeah, uh, probably about every year. And then recently I've been going back quite a lot because I was doing this UA for Pro License yeah. and it was in Scotland. So that was fun. I got to see my friends and family a lot. And, uh, yeah, they come over here too. So they'll be uh, they'll be Indy 11 fans now and they'll be hopefully coming to some games as well. So we have a city, a little town. There's got a gigantic outlet mall. And everybody here calls it Edinburgh. Okay. But how is it actually pronounced in Scotland? Uh, Edinburgh. It's Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because they're oh, I'm going down to Edinburgh to the, <laughs> right, to the right. outlet malls, and you're like, well, people used to always come and visit me in Scotland, and they would always ask, how do you pronounce this? How do you yeah. pronounce that? And so after a while, I just made things up because I knew they would just <laughs> go with it. 
So it was hilarious. People would come over from the states and they'd be saying yeah. things like that. So it was like when the South and Koreans would teach you, uh, like what? Yeah, the probably. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then just yeah. tell them, yeah. And occasionally, you know, I just walk down the street and I talk to you and McGregor, and we just have a good time. We right. get on our bikes and we ride, and True. yeah, it's good. And Sean Connery shows up, and we just have a good old time. Yeah, yeah. like. Really? No, it's a whole country of people. I don't know these guys. Well, that's the thing as well. Every time when I when I first came to the states, people would all the time say, "Do you know this guy?" You know, and I, and the thing that was crazy was the number of times I did. <laughs> oh, okay. It, oh. And so therefore, it wasn't as crazy a question as it used to be. So, what are what are some of the other sports that you enjoy? Like out. I quite like golf. Okay. Again, that no. was invented in Scotland. Hmm. Imagine that. As you would know. So have you been to St. Andrews? Yeah. yeah have yeah. you golfed St. Andrews? I haven't golfed there, but I've been there quite often. So Have you Car- gone to Top Golf yet? No. Not yet. Top Golf? Oh. No. Do you know what Top Golf is? No. Oh. So let me let me paint this picture for you. We Three stories. Get a sponsorship based off this. Pow. Right. Three stories. Uh, this is shameless plug. We're not getting paid by Top Golf. So it's just right over here. Okay. Um, it's the thing with the giant nets when you get on. I don't right, know where you're right. standing here, but so three stories, uh, about 300 bays, yep. 280 bays. And the point is, is there's lots of targets that are out there. Oh, you play nice. multiple games. So you go in there with a the bay with like, you know any of your mates, if you will. And uh, you can play different types of games, but there's all types of drinks. Food. The food is ridiculous. You basically sit there for an hour, two hours, and you decide what you want to play. Cool. Ball comes out, and they all have chips in them. Okay. So you know, so it logs your points as you go. Nice. Oh, it's just so when oh, it's in the cool. middle of the winter, it's all fully heated. Right. You just sit in the bays, and so instead of just doing swing practice, you're actually playing a legitimate game that's for something, cool. which yeah, is really that sounds great. good. Once I get this team up and running, I can play some golf. <laughs> that team builder. <laughs> yeah. Do a team oh, yeah, builder to go. top golf. There yeah. you go. Float so that to Ursaul. Ursaul, I need yeah. you to rent out. That's not going to Okay. Uh, the, so golf, what else? Anything else? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I like working out. I okay. like going to the gym. Yeah. Um, those are the main sports. I really like UFC and boxing. Ooh. I follow that very closely. I was going to ask, are you an MMA guy? UFC. We're so. big MS, MMA guys. Okay. So yeah. who's your favorite fighter? Conor McGregor. God. Jesus. Yeah. But you must like him if you like MMA. No, he's pretty much no, got no, the whole thing. No, he no, he is made he it is, public. He is the reason. He is what's this is wrong like with him. Talking to Eamon again. Yes, this is like talking to Eamon again. And, and Colin. And Colin. Yeah, Eamon and Colin. Our contention with with with, and what's funny is is now knowing what I understand about you and it's completing something. It's com, it's Connor is great at getting Setting belts. Yep. Setting a goal, right? Achieving but it. getting the belt, but then bailing on it. Yeah. So he has not defended one belt his entire career. Not just UFC. Never defended a belt in his entire life. Mm-hmm. So great, I got it. I'm out. And then for for us as MMA people, it's it's not winning the belt. Yeah. You can win a belt. So you like Tyrone Woodley then? You know what? What's funny is I don't think he's respected enough. It's I it's like Wonder Boy a lot because I like the way he fights. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. I yep. like uh, great I, guy I, too. I, think. I was a Dimitri- big Anderson Silva fan until he started getting popped all the time. Demetrius yeah. Johnson yeah. is yeah. literally one of my favorite. Yeah. Again, underrated, yeah. but he just gets better and he does the right things. He d- he never stops. No, working. he's but the thing is for him is the weight class. He's never sure. really seen it come up against. But that's because he's so good. But it would be so, interesting to so see him go up, TJ Dillashaw or so. Stepe Miocic then is a perfect example yeah. of this. I don't care. Just put whoever. So Daniel Cormier wants to go fight him now, and he's like, I don't care. And then yeah. some people go, Well, that could be an embarrassment. Don't do that. I don't care. Like I'm a fighter. I would just want to fight. I think with McGregor too. I think over the next little while, I think he'll be a little bit more focused on the fighting. I think like he was so much about cashing out as much as he possibly possibly Do you think he's going to fight? Do you really think yeah. he's going to fight again? Well, yeah. Have, uh, Dana, already, Dana said they stripped two him. weeks ago that they're yeah. stripping him. Right, but that's because he wants the other two guys to have a legit fight, yeah. Nugumerov yeah. and Ferguson. Yep. So then that I think McGregor will fight. fight. But also McGregor's always got the fight with Diaz, yeah. which I the think that's one. the biggest money fight for him probably. So so when does he come to actually start fighting and not worrying about the money fights? Because then no, you bring I up <laughs> Diaz. No, I'm just kidding. No, he will still, of course, be in it for money. Yeah, right. But the point is, like the McGregor, th- uh, the Mayweather thing, yep. that was all totally of about course. the money. Of course. Because at the end of the day, no one in UFC has ever made that no. kind of money. No. And no. so it's like here was a unique opportunity that Absolutely. I think he basically made for himself. Yep. Oh, so of course. Are you, in the, yeah. are you in the same adage that we are where Floyd essentially controlled that fight? The way he wanted yeah. it to go. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, again, he played with him essentially. Right, and even the commentators were like, "Oh, we've never seen Mayweather struggle so much." But then, at the end of the day, when Mayweather wanted to turn it on, right, he did. So, it, and here's the thing: is is it started as a huge Conor fan because the way he fights and he was that underdog thing. You can't do this. 
you can't win this belt. You right, can't right. beat this guy. And so I could see how that resonates. It was more, and I know a lot of it is an act. If, you, if you've ever heard interviews or side conversations of people that really know Connor, they're like, no, it's all bullshit. Like, no, he, he I don't think that. so. No, I think no. that's how he is. Like, really? I know so many guys like that in Scotland. If they could fight, they'd be in the UFC too. No, what I'm saying is, is, is this act of like, oh, like, you know, he, he hypes on, it up. Right, that's what I'm saying. But he's very like, much but he's, that kind of guy. Like, there's yeah. so many people back home that are like that, who would, like, talk like that and act really? like that. Yeah. Like, if you watch, like... Walking around. Yeah, that obviously he puts it further. He yeah. takes it to a he whole new level. He turns it up a little bit, but he's smart. He's he, a marketing genius. He's brilliant at that. Yeah, yeah. and he's—he's. He's, I don't know. Obviously, you—you you look upon it differently, but I think he's quite a likable guy. He's like a charismatic guy. Sure. And I think that people want. And I, you know, he's also getting to the point where Mayweather was, where people want him to lose. Mm-hmm. So they're—they're t- they're tuning in to see that yeah. as well. So who oh, I definitely want him to lose. So <laughs> who who's your favorite? How long have you been an MMA fan? Since McGregor or no, before that? No, before that, like George St. Pierre was okay. big when I was in Canada. Okay. So I would go and watch, like not live, but I'd go and watch quite yep. a lot of his fights. But really, like before that, I was much more, and still I'm a boxing fan. Yeah, like I'm, I've seen, I'm a huge I've seen guy. Mike yep. Tyson fight yeah. live. Yep. Um, and that, that was the thing about like saving. Was that scary? It, no, it was. I was too far away. It was at Hamden Park <laughs> in Scotland, and it was yeah. But like the thing about it is with the, with the boxing is like if if let's say uh, McGregor was to fight Terence Crawford or yeah. some like he would have oh. no chance. No. And and I think with or Mayweather, Triple G or somebody like that. Right. right. No. Yeah. No. Right. But with Mayweather, it was right. like he'd been out for so long that people had this thought that he might not be able to do it. But Mayweather, since he was a really young kid, has just won boxing matches by yep. the rules of boxing he doesn't sure. care about knocking people out nope. and in that fight he still didn't get hurt yep. even though yeah. McGregor was on top so, so you are you're up current on boxing you are yeah. ex- okay so uh, who's the dude that you're real high no, up Lomachenko is, yeah, is, yeah uh, he's Lo- amazing yeah. so what's funny is is obviously um, if you're a boxing guy you you love Max Kellerman Max yeah, Kellerman yeah. is a boxing guy yeah. is, is the but Max Kellerman though at the same time like yeah. Max Kellerman's too much about Max Kellerman yeah. Okay, I can Honestly, see that for sure. Like, and I just think, like, if you watch the commentary on HBO, yeah, they get it wrong a lot in terms well, of the scoring. No, and that's Harold Letterman. Yeah, I've got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he he's does like, too. I've got it. Nineteen thousand to <laughs> yeah, six. Yeah, you yeah, can and you're do like, a better, like, yeah, better uh, no, no, that's actually uh, that's uh, that's uh, Larry Merchant. Is it Larry? Yeah, or no, Harold Letterman. I was going. I've got it. Tw- okay, Max. I got a twenty-seven to four, and you're like, we're only in the third round. Yeah, you're like, yeah. what are you talking about? But no, but. It, the, Max had made the comment. He goes, Lomachenko is your favorite boxer's favorite boxer right. at this point. The angles, you haven't seen angles like that since if you want to go back to like Sugar Ray. Um, or even at that point, you would say Sugar Ray Robinson used to throw at angles that were weird. Like yeah. he throws at angles. You go, well, boxers also, If you look at his amateur career to yeah. win that many fights all yes. over the world in all yep. those tournaments. And then if you yep. watch how he trains – it's yep. fascinating. It's not like how normal bo- how boxers normally train. Yep. It's like yep. he does all this like mental training, yep. and he's he's amazing. But in in the UK right now, there's a lot of boxing's huge. Yes. So you've got Anthony Joshua, the heavyweight, yep. who's about to fight Joseph Parker. Yep. But there's a lot of guys there that are. And, and that's really what big. it needs. They need the heavyweight division. Like that's what's funny is it's kind of the same in the UFC. That yeah. Everybody still always wants that prize fighter big fight, and I think the heavyweight division has been lacking. Because Not necessarily of global. Yeah. Because they were so boring. <laughs> yeah. Although so he has, boring. but here's the problem. For all of it, the talking bad about him, he still has arguably one of the greatest jabs there's been. Oh, yeah. The Klitschko jab. And his record's amazing. But the thing that's so interesting with Anthony Joshua is yep. Anthony Joshua looks like he could get beat. Oh, yeah. Like he looks like if someone catches him, he's going to yep. go down and stay down. And he's almost a novice. Like he only had a few amateur fights. And yep. now he's only at like his twenty second yeah. fight. Yeah. So normally it's at twi- like look at Deontay Wilder. He's not fought yeah. anybody yet. Right. And he's at yeah. like thirty nine fights yeah. or something crazy. No, no, you're exactly right. So I mean that's okay, so that's good. So at some point, uh, as we get to some bigger oh, it's uh, some bigger cards. Like we're a huge huge that's huge cool. MMA. So who um, in the MMA talk on this? All time, who is your all time MMA favorite fighter? If you have one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be McGregor because at the end of the okay. day, he's come up at a point where, like, I really, you know, I like George St. Pierre, but, like, McGregor got me really interested in it. Yep. And the thing about Conor McGregor is, right, he was a apprentice plumber, right? Yeah. He was, he was 
he'd, he'd get up at like six in the morning, he'd walk down the embankment to the freeway to get picked up in a van. Yep. And he would dry, get driven to this, the building site and he had to do like, you know, make the tea and, and get all, do the old, all the yeah. old jobs. And while he was there doing that, in his mind, he was, the, he was where he is now. So that to me is impressive because his, his reality at that moment was nothing like that. So for yeah. most people, that reality was then what they're going to live for the rest of their life. But he managed to say, no, I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. And once your mind starts to believe that and really convinced on it and has a plan, and obviously he's got hard work and talent, but that wasn't enough. It was the mindset that's taken him. Don't you do this to me, coach. Don't you try to make me like McGregor like again. <laughs> the other thing <laughs> is kidding me. you should read this coach's book, John okay. Kavanaugh. There's a book yeah, called John. Win or Learn, okay. and it's really, really good. Like how you, know, you don't always get the result you want the first time, but if you learn from it, that's important. I have no problem with his team. Like, like Kavanaugh's a fantastic coach. Yeah. Uh, I just like it's the whole thing about us being so old school that when we were watching that's MMA, our problem. Actually, you know, I, I've realized this. I won't let I won't let pride or WEC or those. I won't let that die. And I realize those guys all got old. And at this point, like, just get on the boat. And well, I, I don't even it. know if it's that, if it's the point of, like, just I'm still... I mean, old. I'll still go back and watch Pride Fights. And Mar Ronaldo is, like, one of my favorite like, right. combat fighter boxing and MMA. He's just fantastic. Right. Because you feel like he's really excited about what he's seeing. Yep. Um, I think the, the, the issue that I have with McGregor is, even though he's good, it's the whole belt thing. It's the whole, like, you cannot be considered the greatest of all time if you don't defend a belt. No, and I don't think that you could say he's the greatest of all time. Most people do. No, but what I would say is <laughs> he's got the potential to be that if over the next, say, four fights he goes and, and wins certain big fights. Like if he was to, you know, go and win the belt back and then defend it again. But but at the same time, yeah. look where he's come from. Yeah. Like there's no other, like, Irish or British. And or I think that's the, that is part of, of the guys. appeal, right, That to have the success that he does where it is. That definitely resonates in the fandom that he carries. Yeah, you know, on on both a on a fighter front, but on a business front too. They want that as well. I just I don't know that I'm going to see him fight. I yeah, think he, he he's will. made some comments about he he has some issues after. Remember, he was at events where he saw really bad stuff happen to fighter. I mean, yeah, he was there. Yeah, yeah, and that messed him up. He he talked about that. He goes. I see things that happen mentally. There, you know, the whole CTE the thing that comes in. He seemed serious injury, and he goes, "That affected me in a lot of ways." And now he has a child. Yeah. And it's uh, he talks about that being changed. So I gotta wonder how he's just kind of banked. He said, "I want to make all the money I want, and I want out." Right. So he can live the rest of his life. I don't feel like fighting is the end for him. I feel like this. No, was just he kind can of do it like Ronda Rousey. He'll yeah. be in. He'll be in other things. He'll go professional wrestling because he's his personality. Oh, dude, professional wrestling. Plus, he's got the walk, right? Yeah. Oh, dude, he has got. Well, he's got. The it's Vince's walk. walk. It's Vince McMahon's yeah, walk. Yeah. He stole it. He did. Yeah. Uh, but he says it is his walk now. Yeah, yeah. When you come, but when you come to the the whole thing with Connor is I don't think he beats the number one or number two lightweight fighters right now. Right. Khabib would destroy him. He'd get him on the ground. Although just how many people have said Let this? Let me just that's I what know. I was gonna say. Yeah, Everybody We say that every time. Think Andy. about yeah, think about Aldo, any? right? Everybody said Aldo was the best fighter that ever Aldo, had been. He'd won for like Aldo, eight or nine years. Ten and he beat him in thirteen seconds. But, then but people Aldo, said it was all, he was it was that Aldo was not let, mentally in hey, that at hey, all. But whose fault was that? Dude, you're not going to win this. That's part of being a martial artist, too, though, the psychology. <laughs> yeah. Huh. You got me. It's okay. But okay. I, th I think that uh, anybody, anybody underneath, though, <laughs> <laughs> anybody, anybody underneath that one and two, he beats easily. Right, but everybody always says, this is his kryptonite. This is the guy. And I, I agree, those two Khabib guys are like, really good. Um, like, there's no holes in his game yet. The one thing is Khabib does get hit. And it just depends if McGregor can catch him. I always think that like when he goes in there, it's yeah. like two guys that are amazing at what they do, but one's got a baseball bat. So at some point, if he cracks you across the chin with a baseball bat, you're it's going It's his down. accuracy. It's not his. It's he left. can hit. He doesn't hit that hard. Yeah. He hits you with the right point. Yeah, no, you're right. On the okay. button, as Joe Rogan would say. Uh, right on the button. <laughs> exactly. All right, so final question I have for you is uh, favorite football commentator mm. of all time. You've listened to a lot of it. Who's your favorite? Because I know mine right off the bat. I know yours too. Yeah. It's quite funny because he's actually over here commentating now, but I really like Derek Ray. 
Okay. So he he sounds a lot different now because he's over here yes. just changing his voice a little yep. bit. Derek Ray's actually, he was a Scottish commentator okay. and he used to commentate a lot of Scottish games um, when I was growing up. So probably I would I would see him. Okay. I'm a huge Ray Hudson guy. Okay. I love Ray. Right, right. Not just stereo. And it's the Dark just Invader. Over the top. Right. Dark Invader. Too much. He puts the pint glass into <laughs> the, oh, but his alliteration, it's, it's, I know it can't be, yeah. but I love it because, except for that, his just undying, ridiculous, never ending love for Messi is yeah, just, it's yeah. over the top. But it's, you like La Liga, right? Yeah, so I mean, then he's you're he's a Real Madrid guy. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, he, Madrid for but life. the thing is, it's funny because there there used to be a because Hudson's a Geordie's from Newcastle, yep. right? Yep. So there used to be in the UK a darts commentator. That oh my god, I Geordie, love darts. Yes, right. Yeah, and I honestly think Ray takes a lot of his Thanks lines triple from him. Triple twenty. Right. But this yeah. guy used to say, "Oh, a game of darts twists and turns like a rattlesnake with a hernia," yeah. and things like that. <laughs> and that's where Hudson gets that stuff. I do, think some do, of it. I I got watching that on uh, Sky. Yeah. On Sky one night, and I sometimes had, it's on I, Fox Sports one yes, after and I, like soccer. You this was like this was like two o'clock in the morning. I had had some drinks, and I was <laughs> laughing because now the showmanship as they come out, yeah. Yeah, dude, that yeah. a full on mohawk, like and it's like, it's like what bowling turned like, into. Dude, fifteen thousand people in there, and they're like watching their triple twenty, and they're like, oh, and it's just three, and you're like, they have what is going outs. on? They have yeah. walkouts, yeah, like yeah, fighters yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything. It is so amazing. But anyways, uh, when you uh, my final question is, um, and I wanted to come back to it. When you were doing your UEFA um, certification, license, yep. oh, ask a real question. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, end with soccer. Yeah. Um, uh, we got our UFC piece in. We did. Uh, when you, you talk, you said you were talking to a lot of coaches. Who's the one that you were just like, that was it? Like, where you just it resonated with you? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, See, he likes the question. <laughs> so shut up. There, there was like, there was a lot of good coaches who had, had a lot of success, um, but one that I really liked was a guy called Walter Smith, okay. who he coached Rangers for a long time, and then he coached Everton, and then he managed. Scott, Are you just a homer Scotland. through and through? No, I'm like a homer. No, but but the thing is, like, he, it was just so simple what he did, yeah, and it was like so. Like, take your time, think about what's going on, watch what's happening, then make decisions. Just, like, make sure that everybody in the club feels important. Don't just focus on the players, focus yeah. on the other stuff. So just he had a lot of things that I just thought made good sense. But there was a, there was a lot of them. And one of the coaches was, um, was like, an athletics coach. Um, and he'd, I think he'd been the main coach for Great Britain when they went and did the 2012 Olympics. And they actually did really, really well. He was the main guy. And he had a lot of really good stuff as well, Frank. Dick, I think his name was. Yep. So yeah, those were a couple, but it was really good. We had all sorts of guys came and, and spoke. Bob Bradley was one that from the US, but yeah, lots of lots of coaches and, and lots of good managers and people from other businesses. So it was really good. I learned a lot. Right. So no final question, but I want to kind of implore you to speaking to the Indy Eleven fans going into this season. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, what do you? What do you want to say to the fans of this city going into other this than coming to the game? Yeah, other than make sure you come to the game. What do you, no, you well want to I say think to first of all, thank you to them for the welcome that they've given me. I know when a, when, a, when there's a change of coach or there's a change of players, it can be disruptive because people get very attached to those players or those coaches, and yet people have had an open mind to me and they've given me a, a real welcome, and I really appreciate that. Um, and so I just think like I want them to. F it's their team like I've, I've coached in places where there's not a big crowd yeah. and it's it's nothing like the same as yep. when you have a lot of people there really behind the team and the thing I, I from the research I've done I noticed that they're really behind the team so yeah. it's not just based on oh it's a good team you know some people would say that about Man United mm -hmm. fans but here it's like no they really love the team and they're behind the team and they even were here before the team uh, so I, I thank them for that and whatever traditions they have that I can support I'll be more than happy to do and um, I look forward to getting to know them and meet them and do, I'll do all I can to give them a, a team that they enjoy watching and, and uh, I'll make sure the players are very committed to it as well well I just want to personally thank you for coming on because I know with the whirlwind you have to even take time out of your your schedule and then on top of that you're trying to manage doing all this with having a family as well and that that's a whole other game and being fathers of, of multiple children teenagers and like it's it's One a that lot thinks that he's a teenager that's that's right that's right yeah yeah um yeah I have a three major and almost a 16 and 14 year old mm -hmm. and then yeah then you have a six, six, a six a six ager yeah, yeah exactly right, right. Yeah. so 
thank you for that. No um, and thank you for being candid. Thank you for being open and just allowing, because you come in going, I have no idea what the heck to expect <laughs> here. And I could see the reservation, the kind of, there's a gloss on the eyes, like, God, I hope this isn't a bad decision. <laughs> no, this is a fine. career. So no ho hopefully this has been good as well. Um, but want to make sure we say thank you and thank you to Indy 11. Mm -hmm. um, and we want to make sure we give a shout out to them again. Uh, guys, we got to get people out. Thanks to Steve and Trey yeah. at Indy 11 for mm -hmm. hooking this up. And we're going to have more players, uh, you know, players that uh, haven't been on the show before. So you feel free to go back and be like, yeah, if you hear them talking about it, just be like, hey, get out yeah. there and go. Next no game. Next game. Yeah, so we just played Swope Park right. mm -hmm. today. That yep. went well. 2-0, uh, right? Yep. Okay. yep. And then we're going to have a game on the weekend against Notre Dame. Right. So. And, yeah. and how can people come see that? I believe that game is at Butler at 2.30 on Saturday. Ooh, so they'd be welcome to and, come and watch it. And that should be about 52 degrees. Yeah, and it should be, nice be semi like partly cloudy, so it should be a nice day. So go out and... Is that Saturday or Sunday? Uh, Saturday. Okay, so, Saturday. yeah, we planned it based on the temperature a few weeks ago. So. It's nice. my wife's old field. My wife played at Butler. Oh, right. Yeah, she's a keeper. Okay. And she's a keeper. <laughs> good, <laughs> I good. get to give that every season. Anyways, nice. I get to do it. All right, so anyways. And also, you should keep an open mind on McGregor. That's, that would be my parting <laughs> shot. You know what? Sure, buddy. For you, I will. <laughs> sure, buddy. <laughs> All right, you know what? Fair enough. You've made it. You... Damn it, you are sales through and through. Listen, he's going to say, he's gonna say you know, you made some good points, and then there's going to be some McGregor news comes out, and I'm going to get a message from me, and it's like, you know, it, this is stupid. No, yeah, yeah. no what's going to happen is we're going to get off the mic. Choices, yeah, yeah, no, no, you're right. Yeah. But all sales, 100% of sales are based on emotion. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. this. Yeah. So Same I'm not thing with being a fan of a sports team That's or right. a sports <laughs> personality. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. So, guys, make sure you get out to Indy11.com, hit them up, season tickets. Call make them, sure the numbers call there. Call them. Hit that up. We need the fan support out there. This is like literally the, the years that you're used to of where it's like, oh, it's packed or it's, you know, it's a weird situation. You get you to go to a premiere. Now. Yeah. And well, you have a premiere mm -hmm. situation. This is unlike anything outside of going to a Colts game, but without all the Colts hassle well, this necessarily. Is people, this is for people, too, that have never been to Luke, uh, a sporting event at Lucas At Oil the before. cheapest prices, do Colts tickets yeah. forever was, do I need to take out a loan to go see in the upper deck of the 600 section? Yeah, because of Peyton or even like Andrew Luck. Mm -hmm. Now you get to see at an extremely affordable price. Come see what... I, Dude, I think this team is going to be extremely exciting. Yep. And the USL is a fantastic league. I could not be happier that we're in the USL. We went from having to play a team four times 400 in a row. 400 times <laughs> in a row. To right. seeing a ton of parody, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And if you haven't seen teams like... And there's like, still a New York team to yell at. And listen, if you don't <laughs> think there's going to be a weird dynamic of, of challenging hardcore battles fought, you have the final two teams with Cincinnati and Louisville mm -hmm. right down the road from us yep. that are fantastic. So you, so if you don't think this team is going to come up and try to just beat them, yep. yeah, so get out to Indy11.com and, uh, and, and get those tickets. Uh, you're big on social media. How do people find you? Uh, at Rennie Coaching on and Twitter. Is there more videos coming? There I is. I asked you yeah. that on Twitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I want to know if there's more videos there coming. There are, yeah. All right. Maybe. Do you make those or do you, does somebody a else? A friend of mine makes them. Nice. I like yeah, it. Yeah, he does a great job. I and like it. I think I've got, got one or two to go. Maybe one tonight, so. It's very cool. And yeah. You don't see coaches Part do of it's just to try and help the fans um, realize just how good the players are, get a little clip for them. And it's also, I think, a positive thing for the players. Little to hype see videos. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're a, you are an MMA guy, too. Like, I got a hype <laughs> video for you. I also got some walkout music for you. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, Every yeah. hype video is face the pain from <laughs> UFC. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Yeah. You can find us at PR Podcast Show. PermanentRelation.com. Uh, yeah. At Caged Fear. At C Bala. Yep. And, uh, yeah. We'll have another show in a, probably, hopefully a couple weeks. We'll try to do this a little bit more often because of uh, players and things like that. So I'll give it to you. Go ahead. There's two of you, so I'll give it to you. Glory, glory. <laughs> Don't say it. Don't do it. <laughs>